Grace and peace are yours from your best friend, Jesus. Amen. It is not good for man to be alone. Do you remember these words? They come from Genesis. They come from God. Because God knew. He knew. He knew that loneliness was not a good thing. See, you know what he did? He showed Adam what it felt like to be lonely. Can you picture the scene? Adam is there, and all of these animals are coming to him. And he's supposed to name each and every one of the animals. And as he sees them, he sees that each animal has a friend that is just like them. The dog has its dog friend. The elephant has its elephant friend. Who did Adam have? No one. He was lonely. So God, in all of his goodness, created Adam a friend. He created Eve. God made him a best friend. And this was the first friendship Although this friendship takes place in the context of a marriage, there's a truism here, something that's true for all of us. We need friends. God didn't design us to be alone. If he had designed us to be alone, he never would have shown us, shown Adam what it felt like to be alone. He designed Adam with his deep desire for a friend, and that's how he designed you as well. We see that today, don't we? People have figured out that friendship is a basic human need. Why do you think we have so many different platforms on which to connect with other people? You can find community on Facebook. You can share your life with other people over Instagram. You can find groups of people that have the same interests as you. And hang out together over, over an app called Meetup. These things are successful and people come up with these ideas because we need friends. Parents, think about the first time that your kids went off to school. Weren't you so excited when they came back from school and they told you that they made a bunch of new friends? Weren't their faces just lit up when they told you that? When they got invited to their first birthday party, weren't they so excited? Because we need friends. One of the worst punishments in prison is to be thrown into solitary confinement. To be deprived of human interaction. You know why? Because it's not good for people to be alone. In fact, it's painful for people to be alone. God has designed us with a deep desire for friends. Which means we want to be with other people. 
We want to share stories and feelings and talk with them. We want someone to call on the phone when we're going through a hard time. And we want someone to call us on the phone when they're going through a hard time. We have that desire. And it's a godly desire. It's the desire that Adam had for a friend in the garden from the very beginning. It's what God created us with. And here's what it really is. Here's what that desire you have in your heart is for. It's for the friendship that the Father has with the Son, and that the Son has with the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit has with the Father. What you want, and what I want, is a perfect friendship. But it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult because our experience tells us that that friendships, they're complicated and they're painful. That you're risking a little bit of yourself when you enter into a friendship. That you're putting yourself on the line. That you're taking your heart out of your chest. You're handing it to someone else. You're letting go of all of your control and you're saying, I trust you. Please don't hurt me. And unfortunately, that's the problem. That sometimes we get hurt. That's the problem. Your friends are a bunch of sinners. And your friends are friends with a sinner. With you. Friendships are broken. Trust gets broken. Feelings get hurt and you lose those friendships almost faster than you can make them. Sin ruins friendships. In fact, it can even ruin our desire for friends that we just don't want to try anymore. Sin ruined the first friendship. Adam and Eve, they had a perfect friendship with each other. They had a perfect friendship with God. They walked. They talked with God. They were perfectly loyal to him. Have you thought about that before? When Every time they walked past that tree of knowledge of good and evil, every time they walked past it and they didn't eat from it, they were showing that they were committed to that relationship with God. So when they betrayed God, when they rebelled against him, when they sinned, that relationship, that friendship, was ruined between Adam and Eve and God. And that friendship between Adam and Eve was ruined as well. They broke God's heart. And they drove a wedge between the two of them. Here's something that maybe we don't think about that often about God. He desires friends, too. He desires you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be your friend. But we don't have that same desire. We don't have that same desire to be friends with God. Our minds are actually hostile to God. A friend would not treat a friend like you treat God. 
A friend wouldn't betray a friend like you betray God when you sin. A friend wouldn't rebel against a friend like you rebel against God. You break his heart. But here's, here's what's unfathomable. God still desires you. He still wants to be with you. He could have saved the world any way that he wanted to. Think about that. He, he, was the most, he is the most powerful God. He can do whatever he wants. He's not limited in any way. But how did he choose to save you? He chose to send Emmanuel. Do you remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. He sent Emmanuel to be with you because he wanted to be with his people. Try and keep him away. You couldn't. He was not going to lose you because he loved you so much. So he came and he was born of a woman. He was born as a little baby. And he lived among us. He made friends with, with humans just like you and I. He walked with them and he he taught them the truth. He loved them with a powerful love. And eventually, he gave up his life for his friends. Think about Jesus that way as your friend. He, he of course, is your King of kings and Lord, Lord of lords. He is the most powerful God but he doesn't want you to just be his subjects. He wants you to be his friend. He wants to be with you so badly he can never get enough of you and that's why he worked so hard just to be with you. John knew that and he felt that love in his time with Jesus. John walked with Jesus. He was friends with Jesus. He, he learned from Jesus. And we know that John consistently called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why? Did John think that he was special? You bet he did. He knew he was special. He knew that Jesus wanted to be his friend. He knew that Jesus loved him. Just like Jesus loves you. Just like Jesus wants to be your friend. And that love filled John up. It led him throughout his life and it led him to share life with others. And so he wrote letters to Christians. He wrote three of them. And we're going to be looking at the conclusion of the second letter and the third letter this morning. You can, you can just feel John's love in these words. So in love, John wrote to his people. The ending to Second John says, I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. 
And then the conclusion to 3 John, he says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. I want you to think about the first person that shared Jesus with you. Maybe for some of you it wasn't that long ago. So maybe you can remember real easily. Maybe you were very little when someone told you about Jesus. So think about your teachers and your parents. For me, it was my parents, but besides my parents, it was my pastors. Because my pastors did a lot like what Pastor Dan did this morning. They gave children's messages, and I used to love running up to the front and hearing what Pastor had to say to me. And the message was always very similar and very simple. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And Jesus is your friend. Whoever that person is for you, hold them close to your heart. Cherish them because they they loved you, you enough. They cared about your soul enough to teach you and talk to you about Jesus. That's your true friends. And that's who John was to these people. John traveled from city to city, and he taught people about Jesus. Many of them were hearing about Jesus for the first time from John. He taught them in a formal setting, kind of like what we're doing now, but he taught them in an informal setting too, in conversations, in relationships. And as those conversations and relationships happen, they were, they were cemented. The bond between John and those people was set in concrete because there was a love that existed between John and those believers that was not of this world. The love that is not of this world, it creates friendships that mean more than this world. Do you want that? Where do you find that? Look to your left. Look to your right. You are surrounded by friends. God has given you the cure for loneliness. He has made you friends. He has given you meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships are found while huddled around God's Word. Meaningful relationships are found when Jesus is at the center of those relationships. I I don't know all of your backgrounds, and some of you may not have anything in common with the people you're sitting next to. You may have nothing in common with anybody else in this entire church, but you all have at least one thing in common. And it's the most important thing. Jesus. And Jesus makes the best friends. 
meaningful connections are made around God's Word, and we know that. We have fantastic opportunities here at Holy Word. In worship, just like we're doing now, and in connect groups. You know, when I first came down here and I started learning about the connect group ministry, I was, I was very happy with how it was named. It was very aptly named. And as I was doing the sermon study, I was like, wow, it couldn't have a better name. Because the goal is to connect you to God and to connect you to each other. And both happen at the same time. And both help each other. As your connection grows with God, your connection grows with others. As your connection with other Christians grow, they help grow your connection to God. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When I was graduating high school and going off to college, I had a lot of the same concerns that a lot of high school seniors have right now. What's it going to be like? I'm moving away from home for the first time. I'm going to be away from family. I'm going to be away from my, my, friend, my high school friends. I'm going to be away from what's familiar to me. I didn't know what kind of friends I was going to make in college. Throughout the last six years and counting, I've spent time in, in classes with some of the same guys gone to church with them, spent time outside of classroom, classroom time with them. And I can tell you from experience that God makes the best friends. And I wouldn't trade those guys for the world. And then we left those friends. We uprooted ourselves and we came down here to live in Austin, Texas. And I can tell you from experience that the same thing has happened just over just six months. And I can tell you that God makes the best friends. I know he's probably done it for you. And if he hasn't, I'm confident that he will. Don't get me wrong. Your relationships are not going to be perfect. You are still friends with sinners. And your friends are still friends with a sinner. There will still be lost trust, hurt feelings. There will still be fights. But there's a difference. Because you're connected to Christ. Because you can practice forgiveness in a way that no one else can. Because you've experienced the forgiveness of Christ. That wedge that was driven between you and friends, when sin entered this world, that wedge has been removed by the blood of Christ. And in place of that wedge is love. Love that's not of this world. And it's the love that's not of this world that makes friendships that are better than anything in this world. John had those friendships and he cherished them. He knew what he had was so valuable. So he wrote to the people and he said, I have a lot of things I could tell you. I want to write you a lot of things, but here's what I'd rather do. I'd rather come and see you. 
I'd rather come and talk to you face to face so that our joy may be complete. In our texting, social media kind of age, it's kind of a novel concept, isn't it? Face-to-face conversation. (laughs) Do we still even have those? You know, it's striking to me, though. With all the platforms and all the ways that we have to stay connected, I still read article after article of how people feel more disconnected than they ever have before. That we live in a world that's distracted rather than interacted. We can take John's message and learn and grow from John's message. That may mean sitting down at the dinner table, turning off the TV. That may mean putting down the phones, turning off the screens, enjoying face-to-face conversations with others. Really, really listening the next time you talk to a friend. Not being afraid to share what's on your heart with your friend. Trust them. And I bet your friendships will grow and flourish. And more than that, your joy will be made complete. Did you catch when John said that? And it's not the first time that he said it either. In his letter, in his letter, 1 John, he wrote to his people, We proclaim, the believers proclaim, what we have seen and heard. John proclaimed the message of the gospel, the things that he had witnessed firsthand for a reason, so that you also may have fellowship with us. We proclaim the gospel so that we can make more friends. So we can have more fellowship. And our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. There's a vertical connection and a horizontal connection. We write this to make our joy complete. So your joy is made complete in two ways. When you connect with God and when you connect with friends. I've heard so many people say this. I'm sure you have too. Maybe you've even said it yourself. I don't have to go to church to believe in God. Have you heard that? Are those people right? Yeah, they are. Your belief in Christ is not based on your church attendance. But I would seriously challenge that person. You don't have to go to church to believe in Christ. But if you believe in Christ, you will want to go to church. You know why? Because your friends are here. And it's your best kinds of friends. Your friends that believe in Jesus. Your friends that share your joy. That share your faith. That share your sufferings, your hardships, and that share your peace. And even more than that, when you come together, we have God's promise. Where two or three come together in my name, there 
I am with them. Your best friend is here. He's with you. Who doesn't like to be around friends? You may still hear people say, I don't have to go to church to believe in God, but don't ever let yourself say that. We come to church because we love being around friends. Our best friend and our friends. Plain and simple. God has given us two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. When you love your neighbor, are you going to miss an opportunity to to be in worship and encourage them in their faith? No way. Are you going to miss an opportunity to be encouraged yourself? I'm not. We gather together out of thankfulness to worship our Savior. We come because we love each other. We come to worship the one who first loved us. John could have ended his letter any way that he wanted to, but he chose to say this. Peace to you. Peace to you in your walk with Christ. Peace to you in your walk with others. Peace to you. And may your joy be complete. Amen.